Welcome to the Sharp Angles Betting Podcast. I'm Ryan McChrystal. Thanks for joining me to talk some player props this week. And as always, let's start off by looking back at one of the props bets that we placed at last week's action. Uh, we had kind of a rough week overall, but I wanted to talk about one of the bets that we did end up winning, which was the over on Travis Etienne's longest rush. Um, he barely got it. He had an 18-yard run, and the most common line out there was 17 and a half. Hopefully you got it at that number and were able to be a winner on that one. Um, but this followed a trend that we talked about last week of him really consistently breaking off long runs. I believe it was entering last week. I think it was 40, four weeks in a row where he had a run over 30 yards. Obviously, he didn't keep up that extreme uh, success, which we knew is extremely unlikely. But he did hit the over again. And if you remember, the reason we placed that bet was I took a look at opponent-adjusted rate of gaining three or more yards before contact. And obviously, as, as we've talked about many times, that three or more yards before contact is critical to breaking off long runs. It's about 80% of 15 yard or longer runs occur when the running back gets at least three yards prior to contact. So this opponent adjusted rate of gaining three or more yards before contact, it's looking at how often you're gaining three plus yards before contact relative to how often your opponent is allowing three or more yards before contact and entering last week, ETN led the league. A pretty good margin. Now, his numbers dropped a little bit, but he still leads the league this week. Um, he's gaining three or more yards before contact at a rate 52% above expected. So, you know, as we talked about in last week's pod, how you want to give credit for this stat or assign blame for players on the opposite end of the spectrum between the running back himself, the offensive line, the play calling. That that's up for debate how you want to divvy up that credit. I think all three are definitely a factor for everybody. Uh, but the, that combination, whatever, however you want to assign the credit, is really working for Travis Etienne right now. He's been one of the most elusive, explosive running backs in the league uh, since he's really taken control of that backfield. And so as long as this prop stays at a pretty reasonable number, I think I'm going to ride the over for a few weeks. Now, as I said, it was available at 17 and a half last week because he's on a streak of hitting the over. It would not surprise me at all if it climbs a little bit. 18 and a half seems like a pretty reasonable expectation for this week, but I would still be on the over. I'd consider it at 19 and a half. Hopefully it doesn't jump up by that much yet. Uh, we almost never see this line go above 19 and a half. So, I think that there's we're not really at risk of it rising to a number where we definitely want to stay away. But obviously, you know, if it gets to 18 and a half, 19 and a half, maybe you think about it a little bit more in certain matchups. But this week, I really like it a lot because he gets the Chiefs and they've been very friendly in terms of allowing running backs to have some clean running lanes. They're allowing three or more yards before contact to running backs at the league's fifth highest rate. So here we have a great matchup of a running back who's doing a phenomenal job creating uh, explosive plays, getting a lot of free yardage right at the line of scrimmage. And we've got a defense who's been very friendly to those types of running backs as well. So I think this is a fantastic matchup for him. 17 and a half, 18 and a half, even at 19 and a half, probably. I'm going to be on the over on Travis Etienne's longest rush this week. All right. So the next prop that I want to talk about, it's going to follow that same. Uh, same theme as with Travis Etienne, but the opposite end of the spectrum. I'm going to be on the under on Brian Robinson's longest rush. And based on where we've seen this line available, thinking it's going to be available at 12 and a half, probably. If it dropped to 11 and a half, I would probably still take the under. 
If it drops any further than that, I probably stay away. But 11.5 or 12.5 will probably get it there, and I'll be on the under. He's gone under that number in three of five games so far this season. And as I said, I'm basing this off of the opponent-adjusted rate of gaining three or more yards before contact. Because if you're gaining three or more yards before contact, your odds of breaking off a long run go up dramatically. And Brian Robinson really, really struggles in this area. He ranks dead last in that opponent-adjusted rate of gaining three or more yards before contact. He's picking up that yardage 45% below expected. So even when defenses are giving him are giving him opportunities to pick up a little bit of yardage at the line of scrimmage, he's not taking advantage of it. He, even bad defenses, he's not taking advantage of those opportunities. And I think this makes perfect sense based on his skill set. It's really the reason why I was surprised Washington drafted him where they, as high as they did because he's a one speed downhill runner. He is not he he does not deserve to be the lead ball carrier in a backfield. He just doesn't have that skill set. I thought that he would be a nice complimentary piece in a backfield that had a more dynamic primary ball carrier. Robinson really excelled in short yard situations at Alabama prior to him taking over the lead back role last year. That was kind of where he factored into the mix there is that he would sometimes be a short yardage guy for them early in his career at Alabama. And then, you know, eventually he did become the starter in his final season, but he's just not a dynamic runner. It never has been. And, so these numbers don't surprise me at all. I don't think that even though it's a relatively small sample size with him, I don't think it's a fluke at all. It perfectly matches the eye test. He doesn't make guys miss. He just runs straight ahead, tries to run people over. He's not going to consistently break off long runs. So <clears throat> this week he does get an Eagles defense, which does give up some big plays. So it's not a great matchup for him. Certainly possible that we that you know he gets a nice running lane and takes advantage of it this week. But I think if if this line is consistently available for a while at eleven and a half or twelve and a half, I think if we stay on the under on Brian Robinson's longest rush in that range, we're going to be a winner more often than not because we've seen enough of him so far earlier this season to know that you know he's really he's not taking advantage of free early running lanes perfectly matches up what we expected from him entering the league. I think this could be an area where for a few weeks we're able to take advantage of this and win more often than not before maybe the lines start to drop down or maybe the lines just get removed altogether if he loses opportunities later in the season because if he's going to continue to not be explosive for them, there's just not really any reason for them to continue to give him a ton of opportunities. So you know, ho- hopefully this is a line that we can keep an eye on over the next few weeks and maybe take advantage of. All right, let's stick with the longest rush theme. And if you've been listening to this podcast throughout the season, you knew this prop was going to come back. Uh, I'm going to be on the over in Nick Chubb's longest rush, but I'm only going to be on the over if the line is actually posted this week. Because in the Browns' last game against the Bengals on Monday night, no line was posted for Nick Chubb's longest rush. Uh, And I and many others were not at all pleased by that. Um it's it was a cowardly move by the sports book. And honestly, it feels almost borderline unethical for them to not post. This is a prop that's posted for every game. When you, when you have a starting running back who doesn't have any health issues, they have a longest rush prop available for them. Uh, someone like Nick Chubb should have this line available every week. And obviously, we keep betting the over because it keeps being a winner. But if Vegas is losing, if the sports books are losing on that prop, then raise the number. Well, don't just take it off the board. This is something that. It's it's a widely available prop. It's out there every week for all the healthy starting running backs. 
it needs to be available. It, it was ridiculous that they took it off the board. Obviously, they did it because they are nervous about raising the line too much because he keeps hitting the over on the 19 and a half where it's kind of settled at. But if you're losing, raise the number. I mean, it, make us make a decision at 20 and a half or 21 and a half or something like that. Because honestly, if it did go to 20 and a half or 21 and a half, I don't know that I would play the over anymore. He's hit that sometimes, but in less consistently that right in that early, like low twenties range has been a number that he's hit a lot. So if they raised it a little bit, I don't, I wouldn't automatically play the over on it. So hope, hopefully they at least give us a number, even if they raise it and we decide to stay away, hopefully we at least get a number on this this week, because this is, this is a really common prop that should be available for everybody week after week when there are no injury concerns, obviously, which it which should be the case this week for the Browns. There should be a line available for Chubb. And if it's at 19 and a half or lower, I'm going to be on the over. If they do raise it up to 20 and a half, I'm leaning over. If they raise it to 21 and a half, I probably stay away at that point. Because as I said, that when he's hitting the over, it's often in the low 20 range. So if they raise it by a few yards, maybe it's time for us to stay away. But he's hit a run of 20 or more yards in 11 of his last 12 games dating back to last season. So as long as the over-under is available in the teens, I'm going to keep trusting and I'm going to take the over. And, you know, that's despite the fact that this is not a great matchup against Miami, the Dolphins allow three or more yards before contact to running backs, the league's second lowest rate, only 16%. So this is one of the more difficult matchups um, that he's going to face all season, but he's just been so consistent that as long as this number is available in the teens, I'm going to trust him. I think he's just about matchup proof. And one of the reasons I believe that is he has produced long runs despite early contact occasionally. Dating back to the start of the last year, he has six carries over 20 yards on which he was contacted within two yards of the line of scrimmage. That's the most in the league. So it's not a great matchup, but Chubb is probably matchup proof. So as I said, as long as this line is available in the teens, I'm going to keep playing the over until something significant happens. Like if the if the Browns start to, if the offensive line really starts to toil, if he's not getting a lot of early contact, um, you know, if, if his production starts to drop off, I'm going to need to see that over the course of a few weeks because he's just been so remarkably consistent in taking advantage of the opportunities he gets to break off these long runs that as long as we get that that number at the same area where it's been, I think we just have to stay on the over. Even even if it's a loss this week, I'll be back on the over next week if it's available at 19 and a half. So I'm going to keep riding this one because it's been very kind to us this season. So hopefully we get a line. And if it's available in the teens, I'm on the over on Nick Chubb's longest rush. For the next prop, we're going to stick with the Cleveland Browns. And I'm going to be on the over on David Njoku's receptions. And this is following very similar logic to the exact same bet we made a couple weeks ago when the Browns played the, played the Patriots. If you remember the logic in that one, that was following the trend that we've been using in recent weeks of um, trying to figure out where teams are going to adjust to the Patriots' use of single high uh, coverage. Obviously, most teams in the league are leaning on two high coverages. The Patriots use single high at a very high rate, and so that's changing the way teams um changing the way teams attack them and we unfortunately we lost last week we run the over on alec pierce against the patriots because we thought he was going to uh, be the beneficiary but obviously that colts offense completely imploded and so we ended up losing that one but we're four and one now betting that trend with the patriots and the under on najoku's receptions was one of those 
um, bets. And now this week he gets the uh, he gets the Dolphins, which they are led by a longtime Patriots assistant, Josh Boyer, their defensive coordinator. And so it it should not come as a surprise that they also have a pretty similar defensive scheme and that actually after last week's games, they actually supplanted New England atop the leaderboard of the highest rate of single high coverage usage. So we should probably start to attack the uh, Dolphins opponents the same way and try to find the same edges there as far as who's going to gain or lose targets based on their very high rate of single high coverages. And so since we have a matchup where we've already seen the Browns specifically against this type of a defense, I, f- I feel really good about this. Um, as far as the line that we're expecting, I'm hoping it's available at four and a half, um, but it has uh, frequently been available at three and a half for Njoku's receptions. Um, he did have seven receptions in his last game against Baltimore, though, so I'm, I'm holding out hope that maybe we get a four and a half line. But he also is coming off an injury, so we should monitor that situation, and that could it could affect what this line is. It, it probably also means that the line won't be posted until closer to game day, just until we're a hundred percent certain that he's going to play. Although it does look like he's trending towards being on the field. Um, just to put some numbers behind it again, Najoku's target share by coverage versus two high coverages. He leads the team with a 22% target share against single high coverages. He's the third option on the team with a 16% target share. So as, as we've talked about on past podcasts, this single high versus two high coverages changes where you're going to have open receivers. Two high coverages leaves opportunities in the middle of the field, which often creates more opportunities for tight ends, and that's exactly what happens for the Browns. They go to Njoku more against two high coverages. Single high coverages gives you more opportunities on the outside of the field, and so, of course, the Browns then go to their wide receivers more often in those situations. So against a team like the Dolphins, it's going to give us a very high rate of single high coverages. I think we should assume Njoku's role in the offense takes a big hit this week. So definitely going to be on the under. If it's at four and a half, I'll still be on the under at three and a half. If it did drop to two and a half for some reason, which I don't believe that it has been at that line since very early in the year. Um, If it did drop that low, I'm going to stay away. But at four and a half or three and a half, I'm on the under on the Joku's receptions this week. All right, let's go back to some longest rush props. This uh, unintentionally became a theme for this week. A lot of longest rush props for me. Um, I'm going to be on the over on Saquon Barkley's longest rush, and it all has to do with the defense. The Houston Texans, the worst rushing defense in the league. Last week, unfortunately, we actually played the under on Miles Sanders' longest rush against Houston, which proved to be a mistake because he did break off a 25-yarder. In fact, he had four carries over 10 yards including that 25-yard run, which hit the over for him. But as we talked about last week, with and provided a lot of numbers to back it up, Sanders is one of the least explosive running backs in the league. I mean, if even he's breaking off cons- consistently getting 10-yard runs, including a 25-yarder against this Texan defense, I mean, that really says, I mean, that really speaks volumes about how just how terrible this is, because that is not Sanders' strengths wh- whatsoever. And just I'm just going to run through the list for you of the longest rush by each team's primary ball carrier against the Houston Texans defense. I'll just go week by week, starting at the beginning. Jonathan Taylor had a 17-yard run as his longest rush in week one. Then Javante Williams, 17 yards. Khalil Herbert, 52 yards. Austin Eckler, 20. Travis Etienne, 30. Then Josh Jacobs at 15 yards. That was the lowest number that someone's had against them this year. Derrick Henry, 41 yards. And Miles Sanders, 25 last week so 
for the primary ball carrier against Houston every single week has hit at least 15 yards. They've hit at least 17 yards in seven of eight games, and they've gone over 20 yards, or they've reached at least 20 yards in five of the eight games. So Saquon Barkley, obviously he's perfectly capable of taking advantage of that. If they're not going to create early contact, he's going to break off a long run in this game. It's just a matter of where the number is available to us. I mean, let's let's throw out some more numbers here on that yards before contact contact stat because obviously we know that's critical, and that's that's the reason why teams are breaking off these long runs against them. On 31% of running back carries against Houston, they're gaining three or more yards before contact. That's the league's worst rate. So that's why they're giving up these long plays in every single game. And when they do allow three or more yards before contact, they give up 15 or more yards on 15% of those plays. Now, Saquon Barkley, very similarly, when he gets three or more yards before contact, he gains at least 15 yards on 18% of those plays. So he, here we have a great combination of a defense who's giving up a lot of early contact, tends to give up long runs when they do, at a very high rate when they do give up that early contact, and we have a running back who's among the best in the league at taking advantage of that. So uh, this just seems like a really obvious one this week, like, this week, a combination of the league's worst defense and one of the most explosive running backs. And also I think we gain a little bit of a boost in our confidence too, just because the Giants with them favored by six and a half, I think game script will work in our favor um, this week. Now, as far as what the line is going to be, I don't know. Um, as I talked about last week, one of the reasons why I played the under on Miles Sanders is the his that prop jumped significantly based on the fact that they were playing Houston. And so my logic was, yeah, Houston's really bad, but this is way beyond what we would normally expect from Miles Sanders. And of course he hit the over anyway. <laughs> so where's Barkley's prop going to be? I don't know. It could jump all the way as high as 19 and a half. This Barkley's prop has been available kind of all over the place this year. It has been um, it seems like you know that the the odds makers have struggled on settling on a number for him because you know he doesn't run behind a grit the greatest um, offensive line. He has been a little bit it has been a little bit dependent on the defense, but obviously this is a great matchup. So if they're placing this number, they're going to set this number based on the defense. It's going to be really high. I would think it's going to be at least eighteen and a half, maybe nineteen and a half. I think based on the fact that we know Barkley takes advantage of running lanes and the fact that the Texans provide those running lanes at an extremely high rate, we should be on the over definitely at 18 and a half, probably 19 and a half. This line, as I've said, when we were talking about Chubb, this line is almost never available in the twenties. So I don't, who knows, maybe they treat this like they did Chubb last week and just don't give us a line at all because we should probably expect him to be able to break off at least one 20 yard run in this game. So up to 19 and a half, I'm going to be on the over for Saquon Barkley's longest rush. And hopefully they give us that opportunity. Okay. So the next longest rush prop that I would like to play this week is the over on Josh Allen's longest rush. And based on where this line has been available in the past, I'm expecting 14 and a half yards. Maybe it jumps up to 15 and a half. I would still be on the over if it did. If it went higher than that, I would stay away. But 14 and a half, 15 and a half, I'm on the over. Now, obviously, one of the biggest storylines this week is the fact that Josh Allen's status is in doubt. He's dealing with an elbow injury. Um, it sounds like, based on the last thing I read about it, it sounds like this type of injury is going to affect his grip on the ball. 
and it's going to be cold this week for their game, which kind of makes me think that they're probably leaning towards holding him out because if he's struggling with his grip in cold weather, that's going to be more of a problem. So, you know, who knows? Maybe we don't get an opportunity to play this because he misses the game. But I wanted to go through the numbers because if he does play, I think it's a really good opportunity to bet the over on his longest rush, especially if it's available at 14 and a half yards because Josh Allen has had a run of 15 or more yards 15 times this season. 10 of those were designed runs. He's gone over 15 yards on a designed run in seven of his eight games. Five of those were scrambles, and he's had a scramble of 15 or more yards in four of his eight games this year. So based just off the designed runs, we would think that he would go over 14 and a half yards. But I think in this particular matchup, uh, the scramble numbers are what should give us a little bit of a boost in confidence. Opposing quarterbacks have scrambled on 7% of their dropbacks against the Vikings. That's the second highest rate in the league. Now, it's worth pointing out that they've played Justin Fields, so that elevates that number a little bit. So I wanted to dive a little bit deeper in to see just how, just how much quarterbacks are scrambling against the Vikings relative to others. So I use that same strategy I use with that yards before contact stat that we've referenced a few times. I looked at opponent-adjusted scramble data. So how often you're scrambling versus each team relative to how often quarterback, relative to how often, I'm sorry, how often a quarterback scrambles against each defense relative to how often that quarterback scrambles against everybody else. And so in this case, quarterbacks are scrambling 19% more often against Minnesota relative to how they're scrambling against other defenses. So that should that levels the playing field as far as Justin Fields and how he factors into this. Now, Minnesota ranks ninth in that category. So not the, to the same degree as just the raw data, but still 19% more often against Minnesota than other defenses. That does tell us that this is a friendly defense when it comes to allowing quarterbacks to take off running. So we think we feel good about Josh Allen's ability to break off a long run on his designed opportunities. We think that this is a particular defense that's going to allow him some opportunities to scramble more often than not. So if he plays, I think we should feel really good about him hitting the over. As I said, this line has been available at 14 and a half. That's why I've been referencing that 15 yard number significant because that seems to be a significant, um, significant number based on where this line has been available. It certainly could jump up by a yard. If it's available at 15 and a half, I'm still going to be on the over. So Hopefully Josh Allen plays this week and gives us an opportunity to bet the over on his longest rush. All right, another prop that I like this week is the under on Austin Eckler's rushing yards against the 49ers. I'm going to be on the under as long as this number is at 50 and a half or higher, and I think it will be because that 50 and a half would be the lowest number of the year for Eckler. So I think we'll get a good up. I think we'll get a good number here. It may even be above 50 and a half. The under on Eckler's rushing yards has been a winner in six of eight games this season so this has been a strong trend and he goes up against a pretty strong defense in the 49ers now the under if you remember last year if you listen to us last year we were we followed the trend of betting the under on running backs against the 49ers that trend has not really held up this year i think probably because they've just adjusted that was a really strong trend especially at the end of last season it seems like the the lines have adjusted this year and that they've dropped a little bit too much even because the over has been hitting pretty consistently. Um, but I think this is just a really particularly bad matchup for Eckler. And even if the line drops, I think I think it's going to stay above 50 or maybe right at 50. So I think we'll still get it at a number where we're willing to take. 
one of the reasons the 49ers have been so good is that they just don't give up long runs very much because they create so much early contact. The 49ers contact opposing running backs at or behind the line of scrimmage on 48% of their carries, and they've been really consistent in that area. That rate has only dipped below 40% in one game this year, and that was against the Chiefs, who obviously are a team that can spread you out. And so it, it makes sense that that number would be a little bit lower against them. But the 49ers' ability to create that early contact is especially problematic against the Chargers because they don't really spread you out much. In fact, Eckler runs into a stacked box on 71% of his carries. And that's just not, he's not that type of runner. I mean, he's, he has a fairly balanced skill set, but he's not a guy like Derrick Henry that you're comfortable just sending him into a stacked box carry after carry. You, they should try to spread things out more. I mean, that, that's a really high number for a player like Eckler. And the 49ers defense, they excel in that area. If you're going to allow them to stack the box against you, they're going to shut you down. They're only giving up 3.1 yards per attempt to running backs with a stacked box. That's the second best rate in the league. So based on how the 40, based on how the Chargers offense matches up, I think this is just a really terrible matchup for Eckler. And then we also have to factor in game script here. The 49ers are favored by seven points in this game. This game should go the 49ers way. When the Chargers are trailing, they hand the ball off to their running back only 36% of their attempts. That's one of the lowest rates in the league. So this just looks like a really bad matchup for Eckler, at least in terms of his run game usage. The Chargers scheme seems to play right in the 49ers' hands. The 49ers do not give up a lot of long runs, so I don't think we're at risk of Eckler breaking off like a 30- or 40-yard run or something like that that could allow him to hit the over even on low usage. And it's it's a bad game script for Eckler. I don't think he's going to get a ton of carries in this game if they're playing from behind the whole time. So this looks like one of the better bets of the week, so long as this number stays above 50. All right, so that brings us to the Thursday night football portion of the podcast. This week we've got Falcons, Panthers. And the last time these teams played a couple of weeks ago, the Falcons won 37-34. Really high-scoring game. I think that's going to make people want to bet a lot of overs, both on the total and maybe on some props. But I just want to caution against going too far that direction. I mean, you can certainly make a case. You can use the last matchup to make a case to bet some overs in this game. Um, but I don't know that we should really read too much into that because this is kind of a – we've got a really inconsistent – we've got two really inconsistent offenses going up against two really inconsistent defenses, and I don't know who's going to win out. Obviously, it was the offense that won out in the first matchup, but it could be completely flipped in this matchup. I mean, these these teams are fairly unpredictable. And, I mean, really the main reason why – I say that is if you look at their plays per game, both on offense and defense, on the offensive side of the side of things, the Panthers and Falcons rank 27th and 32nd in plays per game. On the defensive side of things, their opponents have been running the most and the fourth most plays per game. So you have offenses that are struggling to stay on the field and defenses that are struggling to get off the field. So I mean, who's who's going to win out? I mean, obviously in that first matchup, again, it was the offenses that won out. But I don't think we can say with any confidence that that's a trend that's going to hold up when these two teams play each other again. I mean, obviously they got to you know got over seventy points in that first matchup, um, but this could just as easily be like a seventeen fourteen kind of game in this matchup if the offenses struggle, because there has neither side of the ball for either team has been really consistent this year. So, I mean, that's a long way of saying I mostly just want to stay away from everything in this game. 
but there is one prop and again sticking with my theme of this podcast of the longest rush props there is one prop that i'm going to take and it's on cordero patterson's longest rush over 14 and a half yards and that stat that i referenced earlier in the podcast the opponent adjusted rate of gaining three or more yards before contact patterson's among the best in the league and it makes perfect sense he's obviously an elusive playmaker for them and he's also running behind an offensive line that has been very good this year um, in creating running lanes for all of the falcons running backs patterson ranks third in that opponent adjusted rate of gaining three or more yards before contact picking up that yardage 51.5 percent above expected now the panthers run defense isn't bad but they have also been susceptible to big plays they're allowing 15 or more yards to running backs at the league's highest rate. So we've got a running back who a running back and an offensive line that have done a great job of creating running lanes. We've got a defense that, although they've been the their run defense has been decent overall, they have been susceptible to those big plays when they when they have when they allow running lanes. So I do think that the one area in this game where we can feel pretty confident about is the fact that Patterson will have some running lanes and hopefully he breaks free on one of those and hits the over on his longest rush, the over at 14 and a half yards. That's it for this week's podcast. Hope you all have a fun and profitable week 10.